Texas football. I'm Bobby Burton, joined today by Justin Wells and Rod Babers. It's the Tuesday night live stream. I'm sitting in for Aaron Hogan. He's down a little uh, sick tonight, so I'm sitting in. Uh, brought to you by Energy Texas and the folks there. Uh, we appreciate them. Uh, Rod, Justin, Longhorns 8-1. and one. We've talked mm-hmm. about a lot of the pieces of this. There's some recruiting news going on right now that I want Justin to get into. There's also some uh, latest uh, TCU uh, news as far as some players they're not going to have available uh, to them on uh, Saturday. Uh, that includes, and I'll, and I'll put this out there uh, uh, as I'm talking about it right now, uh, that includes receivers Dylan Wright, the transfer from Minnesota, Warren Thompson, and Jack Beck, the transfer from LSU. They will all miss the uh, Texas game, according to uh, Tech coach Sonny Dykes. Wright went down with a lower body against the Red Raiders. Thompson and Beck are likely done for the season. Uh, uh, Thompson, I think, the second leading receiver or third leading receiver for the Horn Frogs so far this year. So it's not an insignificant list of e- injuries, uh, especially at the re- receiver position. However, J.P. Richardson, the son of former uh, A&M quarterback, J- Bucky Richardson, yeah. is the leading receiver for uh, the uh, the. Uh, I saw Frogs. him in high. I saw him in high school. Watching Isaiah Hookfin. Yeah. Oh, nice. I saw, I saw J- young JP, and that dude was a shifty little slot guy, just like Wes Welker. Dude, it, it's fun to see him. You knew it was going to play somewhere. And it's fun to see Bucky's son doing that. Yeah. And it's he, fun that he, he started off. And it's not in College Station. Yeah. He started <laughs> off. He started off at Oklahoma State and transferred yeah, yeah. to, uh, to uh, TCU this year. Uh, uh, Sonny Dykes also saying that they're going with quarterback Chad Hoover, uh, the freshman out of Rockwall Heath. Uh, Chandler Morris may be available, but they feel uh, that, like they're going to go with Hoover uh, out of the gate. So that's a big that's big news for Longhorn fans as well. Um, uh, Justin, uh, give us a little update on DeAndre Carter, the big lineman out of Santa Ana, Modern Dame, high school teammate of Brandon Baker, who is committed to Texas. Uh, Carter was considering Texas, uh, even though he was committed to Auburn, but it sounds like He's done for Auburn at this point. It would appear that way. You know, the the tweet, he tweeted something out, I want to say a couple hours ago, maybe not even that long, uh, about he's going to be in, uh, he's going to be at the uh, the Iron Bowl for Alabama and Auburn, and then also kind of reaffirming his commitment. Everyone knows he's kind of been on the flip fence. He's been looking hard at Texas. Uh, They've been selling modern day pipeline, uh, Kyle Flood's development, just kind of the the recruiting class in general. And plus his teammate and right tackle, Brandon Baker, is committed to Texas as well. Five star in the on three industry ranking. Carter seems to put out that, hey, he he wants to shut down his recruitment. And this very well could be the end. I don't know if Texas is going to stop talking to him. And I don't know if Texas is going to maybe shift to another offensive lineman. Uh, in, in the class, a Blake Ivy, uh, uh, a Jacob Pinot, like there's different different guys that they could look at. But in the end of the day, I think Carter might be reaffirming that he's solid to 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 Auburn to reassure the coaches and possibly take some of the heat off of himself. Got it. Uh, you can see there the the uh, com- uh, the note from DeAndre Carter uh, on his pledge says he's excited to be headed to the Iron Bowl, staying 100 committed to Auburn. As Jerry has mentioned in other. Uh, uh, comments here on, on Texas football. Justin uh, Carter is the only high school offensive line commit of uh, Auburn. And apparently that was weighing into his decision as well. Big, right. They're going big portal. Hugh Freeze is going to go in the portal. Like it's a, like it's Liberty university, man. He's going to hit it hard. Hey Rod, uh, you know, I'm looking at, looking at this, not necessarily from a recruiting standpoint, uh, this game coming up, even though there's some recruiting news going on. Uh, but what do you make of TCU and, and this Horn Frog team right now overall? I, I'm a little uh, – it, it seems like they're, I don't know, hit or miss, I guess is the best way to put it. They're either running up the scoreboard and, and in, in close games or they're getting blown out. Yeah. Is that how um, you feel? No, it's, it's a conversation actually um, that I was having earlier with someone – and about whether TCU might be the best five loss team in the country. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, it, and it's, you know, you can have that conversation because I'm with you that kind of hit or miss. You watch them on film, you see some plays, you go, man, if they can do that consistently. Damn. TCU could be pretty dangerous. 
Uh, but then they just don't have the consistency. They don't have the trenches is pretty much what this comes down to. They, they don't have the experience they did last year. That's pretty obvious. They don't have the trenches on offense, on defense. And I think that's when Texas has a huge advantage. Uh, my concern, and you just brought up the injuries they have at wide receiver, my concern yeah. would be that they are one of those teams that are twitchy and fast at wide receiver at the skill positions, and they're deep at those skill positions, and they're a pass-first team. No, I'm not saying it's it's U of H, but it, it, it it's very similar to some of the problems that U of H present. Pass first. Uh, Hoover, this quarterback, although he's very he's young, um, you know, he he can sling it. I actually like the way he throws the football. I think he can sling it. He's got it. some Phillip Rivers to him, doesn't he? Oh, he hey, he got some straight up gunslinger in him, man. I can see them just going like U of H, screw the run. Yeah. Why the hell, why, why the hell are we gonna try to run against this team, man? We're going to throw it, throw it, throw it, and then we're going to throw it and open up the run. When Texas decides they drop eight, then we'll run it. But I can see them doing what U of H did. That's why I, I, the comparison to me kind of sticks is that they're a pass-first team, twitchy, fast guys on the outside with a quarterback that can just sling it, especially if he gets streaky. And Texas had problems with you know teams when they get pass-first. Even when K-State, listen, when K-State abandoned the run, Hell, and Texas, by the way, Texas made them abandon the run. They had to. <laughs> they, they were getting nothing. I haven't seen a suffocating rush defense like that on Texas for Texas in a long time, guys. I mean, that was we, – we don't give that enough – we haven't given that enough props. I mean, they, those guys, that was an amazing effort. So they, they basically forced them to be one-dimensional. They had no choice but to throw it, and they made some plays in the passing game throwing the football. You want to beat Texas, you got no choice but to go kamikaze in the passing game and just try to beat Texas that way because you're not going to be able to run the ball against them like Byron Murphy said. So I, I think that's what TCU is going to do. They, they're they already worried about next year. I think that's what the Hoover move is really. They're going to go all in on this kid because he's the future. Um, I can't really see them going back to Chandler Morris. Maybe they will, but what's the point, in my opinion? Um, and this is the, the trap game that can save the season for TCU, man. A tra- definition of a trap game to me is it, you, it, you save your season by ruining somebody else's that's what TCU is trying to do. This would save their season pretty much. And it could potentially make them bowl eligible because they right now, I don't know. I don't know if they're on track to be bowl eligible. Potentially. No, they're, they're four and five right now, Rod, to your point. Yeah, uh, two, of their, two of their last three games, which they would have to win two of their last three are against Texas and OU. Exactly. Um, it, it's interesting. I, I will ask you this. Okay. Um, it's interesting that you mentioned Houston as a comparison but Houston is more that old Texas old Tech spread. Yes. Um, yeah. Whereas, um, whereas Oklahoma. TCU, yeah, is more yeah. like it's the Art Bryles from Kendall Bryles and Jeff Levy, uh, that shoot. kind of offense. That, yes. Now, that gave yes. Texas problems, too. So, I'm not – it's not yeah. like it's one's better than the other. Yes. But it's interesting that you're comparing the Houston offense instead of the OU offense. Just because it's, in terms of circumstances, OU – had better athletes than U of H. OU had better trenches than U of H. OU's and you know, and OU was obviously a pass first team. Different types of air raid because the the branch, the air, the Art Browse bear and shoot branch. I was just talking about just from a situational standpoint. And TCU is not a team that has a talent level even close to Texas. Oklahoma, I think, had a talent level. It, it's not it wasn't close to Texas in my opinion, but at least it was still upper echelon. TCU doesn't have that this year. So that's why I made that comparison because they don't have the talent level to really play with Texas. They still got athletes, man. Exactly. They still have athletes that will scare you. That's my point. That's why I compare it to U of H because U of H can't play with Texas necessarily in the trenches. They've got a Matthew Golden. They've got a Samuel Williams. They've got guys you just better pay attention to because they'll house it. That's 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 why I made that comparison just because they're not supposed to play with Texas. But as, as Justin just said, they got a couple on the outside. You better watch out for. Yeah. And a QB you apparently like, Rod, even though he's a young one. Hey, uh, uh, Justin, I want to flip over to you real quick because I, I mentioned recruiting earlier, and this was a good one from Colton. Is Kobe Black looking seriously at anyone other than Texas right now? This is the cornerback uh, out of Waco Conley. Figured he would already be in the bag for the Longhorns. Uh, what you've been up to Connolly a couple times. You followed Jelani McDonald's recruitment from Connolly last year. Yeah. What, what are your thoughts right now on, on uh, Kobe Black? If, if, if you guys had a chance to watch uh, the award winning 
uh, recruiting breakdown uh, earlier today from Jerry and myself. Uh, we, we Every week we have a Kobe Black update and it flashes and it's a big deal and everyone tunes in and I, I get it. Uh, but no, at the end of the day, uh, Kobe's taking his time. If It's Texas versus the field, Colton. I really do feel like it's not anything Texas has done right or wrong. I think Kobe is just really content. He kind of knows where he's going to go. I think he's known that from probably since July, even August. He's taking his time. If there's one other school I would ever worry about, it's Oklahoma State. And it's only because he'll have an opportunity to play uh, if he did choose Stillwater with his brother. His brother has another year. And he happened to mention his brother had an additional year of eligibility the last time I went to see him recently. And so it kind of had me thinking, um, if there was another school, because he's canceled the LSU trip, he's canceled the Texas A&M trip, he, he's not probably not going to make the Oregon trip, it's Texas versus the field, but Oklahoma State's that last one. And I feel like it's trying to throw hands at some point, maybe. Or Kobe just really already knows where he's going to go, and he's already told us he's going to have a ceremony soon not to go public and to, to enjoy the process. Got it. All right, uh, Justin, thanks for that. Uh, all right, Tuesday night live streams brought to you guys by Energy Texas. Energy Texas is electricity for Texans by Texans. Uh, when you go and uh, sign up for Energy Texas uh, and you have deregulated energy opportunities, uh, you have a flex plan. You can change your energy uh, program at any time each month. Uh, that allows you not to get upcharged, no additional fees for that change. Change. They call it the flex plan. Give them a call, 855-461-1129. Uh, that is 855-461-1129 or visit www.energytexas.com. We appreciate their sponsorship of the live stream. All right, let's keep going here. We got some more questions rolling in, guys. I kind of want to make this a, a little bit of a question and answer session. Bobby, this one from Juan. Bobby, you think Sark owes Malik for him not transferring, so he gave him the start over Manning? Do you think that was his thought process? No. Um, Rod's shaking his head because same way reason I am. Uh Look, there are a lot of things you do as a coach that may or may not be it. But when you have a $5 million a year job that is predicated on you winning, doing favors like that with, at the quarterback position is not one of them, in my opinion. Rod, Rod, your thoughts? Yeah, I don't think it's wise, but I don't think it's happening either. And I don't think it's wise. Um, but I know there are conspiracy theories out there on the grassy knoll. <laughs> And there are even those that believe on, in my day, the Chris Sims, Major Applewhite uh, converse, uh, situation and controversy that there was also a gentleman's agreement, right? Behind the scenes about that kind of stuff that, hey, if you get this guy, he'll start, he won't red shirt, that kind of stuff. I get it. I know it. I know that's out there. I don't think that's happened here, but like I said, I know some conspiracy theories may think differently. Justin. All right, hey, let's go to this real quick. And I want to, <laughs> Justin, I want to bring you in on this. Uh, buddy, pal, chief. I'm getting on the last one. <laughs> oh, no, you can't have that anymore. <laughs> I wasn't going to say, I wasn't going to break the, break the news. You're right. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. The issue was never Grinch at USC. Lincoln Riley runs soft programs. I don't know that we know the answer to this, guys, um, because here's, here's the reality. He's, Lincoln Riley's never run a program without Alex Grinch as his defensive coordinator. So how can you say it's it's Lincoln Riley? Uh, but I will. I want to add this and get your take, Justin and, and Rod. Uh, same poster, uh, buddy, pal, chief, big guy says. Come to think of it, has any leech disciple ever had a good defense? Has any leech disciple ever had one? Miss, there's no, there's I, nothing complimentary about that offense. It hurts you in practice. It hurts you in games. It hurts you in preparation. And I don't think I think. They were hoping it would overlap so much that it, you wouldn't have to worry about, we'll just outscore people. There's, It's nothing complimentary about it, Bobby, whatsoever. And I don't think with Leach's intention, was it ever to be complimentary? Yeah. I would say that he had decent defenses at Mississippi State. Rod, your your, your thoughts? You can no, fall backwards into Mississippi State recruits. Yeah, no, the, the, the late, great Mike Leach was an extremist. Right. And so yeah. it was his original air raid offense. It was an extreme air raid version of, you know, those spread offenses. And he, won, 
I think it was Graham, exactly, right? Those types of philosophies, those pass-first offenses. And even I think it was Graham Harrell that described. He said it's not actually an, an offense. He said it's it's more like in a, a religion. He's like, you have to adopt a religion more so than an offensive philosophy. And when you think about it like that, if they're, if all the air raid disciples are thinking along those lines of that dogma, then it makes sense as to how they commit the whole program to it. And that's the part Justin's talking about. Maybe if you just took the concepts, because the NFL's running air raid concepts. <laughs> they run yeah, the same they, they can't they afford run. to be one-sided. Yeah, they're not. Now they're, are they air raid? Ask, ask Cliff Kingsbury about just taking the philosophy, taking the religion, all right, and becoming an extremist about that. Can you take just some of the concepts in the scheme? Yes, that's been that's all over football everywhere. Thank God for Mike Leach and Hal Mummy. But it's something about those disciples. They are disciples, right? <laughs> they this religion in them, and they all in. I think it's something in that, Justin. That we can dissect. There's something about how they. They go all in, like you said, it infects the program. It, it you know, every part of the program, the weight, the strength and conditioning, the you know, nutrition, culture, everything. And ultimately, Bob Stoops did it best. But Bob Stoops was a disciple, but he took the offense. Because he, yeah, he took he was a defensive guy. He's a hate fry guy. My point is he, he just facing, hired him. Yeah. Yeah, he was facing that offense, right, in the SEC. And he yep. was like, Man, the one offense that gives me headaches. Is that damn air raid? And as yep. soon as I get a head coaching job, I'm taking that damn offense. And he took the offense, but it wasn't the religion because he didn't allow it to become that. It was only yep. on that phase of the game that side of the ball, and they won a national title with it. And yep. has anybody won a national title running the air raid quite like that since? No, not really. Bob Stoops had the right mix. So I agree with Justin in a nutshell. He's right. All right. Good stuff, guys. All right. Uh, update on Christian Jones. This is a, a an easy one. Russell Hinkle asking about uh, an update there. Sark uh, met with the media yesterday and said everyone practiced. It's the first time in so long that he's been at, at Texas that everyone practiced, include, including Chris Jones, including Quinn Ewers. Uh, Jalen Catalan returned to practice as well. Russell, uh, Sark uh, said specifically, that's one of the things that he was happiest about yesterday uh, when he got out of practice. He's like, man, I have everybody. For the first time in forever, we actually have everybody. Uh, so that that happens there. Uh, Justin, you watched him as a, as a recruit. And uh, this one's from Joey Silva. And I want to segue to this question. Do we see Malik Murphy use his legs next game? That's one thing we have not seen because, frankly, I don't think he runs well. Your thoughts, Justin? I don't think it's a matter of him not running well. I think it's a matter of he is a quarterback first, second, and third. It's kind of the way he's wired. He's been trained as a quarterback since he's a little kid. He's had that rocket arm for, for you know since birth. God blessed him with, from the heavens and lightning. He can <laughs> throw the ball a mile. Uh, I don't think it's that so much as he's trying to really go through his reads and be a quarterback. I, I, I attribute it to trying to be like Warren Moon. Now, Warren in college could scoot a little bit, but the older Warren guy, he was such a he was not a scrambler by any stretch. He was always an in-the-pocket guy. I think that's Malik's thing. Now, he's not the most athletic guy. Having that quarterback mentality has maybe retarded his ability to kind of, you know, move around and 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 make make plays on third down, you know, to get five yards on a third and four. Maybe him playing quarterback and thinking in that life in that way has hurt him now it's hard to say because in recruiting he didn't have a lot of opportunities Bobby you remember that you know his seasons were kind of screwed up and when they did eventually play it was kind of a weird tournament schedule for like six games uh California really dropped the ball you know on, on that high school football stuff and so he didn't really have that training but I don't He's just not a mobile guy. Troy Aikman wasn't a mobile guy. Drew Bledsoe wasn't a mobile guy. And Malik Murphy is not a mobile guy. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. Uh, got some more questions coming out around here uh, that I think are, you know, what, what we want to ask. Justin, I want to stick with you on this uh, from Daniel Kinneman. How many flips do you think UT gets? Plus or minus two and a half? I love the half. I know. Hey, I've just it's, never it's, seen it's a half like of a player. It's almost like you're in Vegas. Give, give, give it to us. It's Maybe you can rebel to tell him. I'm asking him about half a player. He can't figure it out either. Um, <laughs> honestly, you know what? There's going to be a flip. 
They're, and I don't, oh man, I'd go under because I feel good about one, potentially two, but over, I'd, we need to see a few more games. Let's get through November, but right now I would take the under. I, I like it. I like two. Two? Okay. You still thinking half? Hey, here's, here's one for you, uh, uh, Rod, and uh, everybody can kind of change chime in on this from Daniel Wee. Would y'all take Ewers at 70% or Malik at 100% in the game this weekend? That's a damn good question. That's good. That's a good question, Dan. And it's likely so, there's an element of truth to it, too, yeah, Rod. I think he's right about that. That's a great question. Yeah, because you, do you anticipate a leap, right, in improvement from Malik from start two to start three, right? Are you going to see that baseline of uh consistent performance i listen what i would do ideally if i if, if i do have that situation i i'd probably go ideally i'd probably go to see if malik first i'd probably have a short leash for malik in that situation maybe maybe early on i'd probably just have a short leash for him a couple of mistakes early on boom quinn go out there and do your thing that's probably how i'd handle it because i'd want quinn to be at a as close as he can to 100 for the stretch run Right. To, to, win, right for, to win the Big 12 in the Big 12 title game. You know, Quinn is, I mean, Malik is 2 0 while Quinn's been out. I know it's an ugly, you know, some of the ugly moments, but he has some clutch throws late. I want to see it. And I think Sark wants to see it too. Sark's a quarterback, y'all. So he, he kind of ca- calls plays vicariously like a quarterback. That's why Malik Murphy reaffirms his development. Yes. Right. So I think, I think Sark, going back to it like a quarterback, I think Sark's going to want to see if Malik's going to make the leap too. Like if he if there's a true leap from start two to start three, and he wants and if he's gonna end up benching Malik, not benching him, but he's not gonna start anymore because Quinn's healthy. He doesn't want to be after like a subpar performance, or after you know what I mean after an adequate performance. I think he wants him to leave on a to sit on a high note, if you will. So I I think ideally, but if I had to, I'd take Quinn. If I had to choose, I'd take Quinn at seven. If I had to choose. <laughs> I, I think I'm taking Quinn on that. I've seen Quinn at 70% before, and they lost to Westlake in the state championship, but, buddy, he was still throwing that pill around the yard. I, I'll take Quinn, and, and the reason why is because I I, I don't know. Do, do you think they – Quinn at 70% with no picks, I would take right now. Yeah, I don't know if Malik at 100% doesn't mean two picks. That's fair. That that's my take, and I don't I don't know if that, you know, we'll see. Uh, but uh, that's that's my all part of the development. Process. It'll either happen or it won't. Yep, absolutely. Hey, this one from E Kim Justin is Ethan Burke one of the best evaluations uh, from Texas since Sark took over? Is he one of the best evaluations. He was Cole a Hudson, really, you know what good. he was a really good evaluation. I wonder if Harbaugh stole or Sark stole Harbaugh's signals because you know he was committed to he was committed to Michigan, and so I, I think Texas did a good job of sort of uh, copying Harbaugh in that regard and, and sending the the right signals. Um, he's a great evaluation, but I'm going to be totally honest and, and frank. He's 15 minutes from campus. If you can't find a guy 15 minutes from home, buddy, you got a whole other world of problems. It's a good evaluation. It's going to be an even better development. I think that's the most important thing with Ethan Burke, which is going to help sell the edge spot, which you got guys like a Colin Simmons and a Zeno Umiazulu coming in. They're still recruiting a Solomon Williams. Ethan Burke, it wasn't so much an evaluation because it's kind of a no-brainer. A kid that large that can play lacrosse, Okay, that checks a lot of boxes that you don't normally see. That wasn't the thing. It's the development of Ethan Burke that I think is going to make Sark and the staff look good. Let me ask you this. Take it that was a great point. answer, Bobby. You got it. No, you give us. But who Tell are some ones you think have been good evaluations for by Sark? Yeah. Name, oh, name, go ahead. What's that? Go ahead. Said name one that has been a good evaluation from Sark. That was off the off the beaten path a little bit. That's good. Did Herman flip forward? Yes. Yeah. It was late. Late Herman flip yep. forward. For it was trading him out for a van for a van Fillinger. That's right. Yeah. Um, man, that's a good question. Maybe Savion Red. That was a late pickup. He's only had two years, right? Yeah. yeah. 
I, we haven't really – we'd have to see some more. It's, there's not enough sample sizes right now. Uh, he, I think he's been a great evaluator, honestly, at the mental side of it. He's getting kids that are – half the classes are, are early enrollees. They come in prepared. They come in to compete. This last class is ridiculous with mature athletes that are ready to play immediately. It's kind of crazy. So I think the mental side of those evaluations, he's been killing. I, I think he's fantastic in that regard. Uh, but give it another year or two of samples before we can really tell about it from an, uh, you know, an, a high school evaluation. Again, Ethan Burke was 15 minutes from campus. So I don't, I'm not bending over backwards for something like that. Uh, no, not, not that one. Hey, maybe hey, maybe LaFalle in Hawaii. It's 15 minutes from, from campus only if you speed on bee caves because that, <laughs> they got so many red lights in that thing now. Hey, um, uh, this one for Boring Math Channel. If Texas and Bama went out, will Texas get the Bush push into the playoffs? Look, I think I think Texas should. I mean, it's not that there's, there's nothing illegal about the Bush push and there's nothing illegal about Texas beating a team by 10 at, on their home turf. Rod and I were talking talking about this pre-production, and my take was I think people will give Texas the benefit of the doubt in that regard. If it's down to a four or five, I think Texas, if they win out and Bama wins out, that's the way it's going to flow. I I really do feel like unless Bama jumps somebody and gets in above because they beat Georgia in the SEC championship, Mm. which is a possibility, but I don't think it would be Texas if they went out. I do think they're going to give them credit because it was on the road. Like you said, it was very rare. And something we mentioned, they ran the ball the final eight minutes of the game. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. But in that situation, then, there, and now, that was still incredible. So I think the the media will still give Texas the benefit of the doubt. If Malik Murphy's still quarterback, then it rocks back and forth. Not sure. What are your thoughts on that, uh, uh, Rod? I mean, if – if Texas wins out and Alabama wins out, I mean, Texas beat them by 10 in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, what we know is that – that's a great point. What we know is that the SEC is going to have a spot locked up, right? So, SECs, they they get in. You know the Big Ten's getting in, depending on Ohio State Michigan, how that works out. The problem, and the problem is the Pac-12's got two ahead of you, too. So, the Pac-12, it looks like they're going to get one of them in, too. Florida State's your big issue. Honestly, it really ain't to me. If Bama wins out, Bama wins out. They're just gonna end up taking that spot, you know, from Georgia, in my opinion. SEC's gonna get a spot. Period. You're right. You're right. But to me, I just break it down into who's guaranteed a spot. SEC's guaranteed a spot the way it's looking. Uh, the Big Ten's guaranteed a spot the way it's looking. Looks like the Pac-12 because they got two teams ahead of you too that they're kind of guaranteed a spot. So there's one spot in the Florida State, and now chaos could happen. But if chaos does not happen, and let's say it kind of goes that score, you guys are saying if Bama wins, my thing is Bama wins, they just take the SEC spot. And Georgia may get it. And if Georgia doesn't fall out of the top four, that's even worse because then Georgia might end up also taking up another spot. Either yeah. way, Texas is going to get screwed. So my point is how does Texas not get screwed? They feel like got to win out. But they need Florida State to lose. <laughs> Florida State's got to get the hell out of there because the SEC can still screw you because they're going to get one in and they could get two in. If they respect Georgia that much, Pac-12 gonna get one in, Big Ten gonna get one in. You you need Florida State out. Florida State gotta get the hell out of this thing. If Texas has a smooth road in, that to me is right. And, and by the way, chaos will happen. We just don't know how it's gonna look. But if if it goes status quo with Bama just beating uh, Georgia, I don't know if you get enough points for Texas to get that bump. I'm not sure. Nobody is. Got it. Uh, all right, this is the Tuesday Night Live stream brought to you by the folks at Energy Texas. I'm Bobby Burton alongside Rod Babers and Justin Wells. We're taking your questions. Feel free to get them in, uh, and we'll get them out there. Uh, this is a super chat, just a comment from UT Boy, award-winning hookup. Welcome, UT Boy. Uh, we appreciate you. Hope your dad's doing well as well. Uh, this went from Chin Ups. And, uh, Justin, you follow Pro Football Focus and their participation chart as closely as anyone. Uh, who replaced Kelvin Banks when he came out? It was Hayden Connor who moved out the left tackle. Who played left guard when Connor moved out the left tackle? Do you know that, Justin, for sure? Cole Hudson. DJ. Jake was at center. DJ was at right tackle. I mean, right guard. And Cam was at right tackle. Okay. And and listen, Cole has been working out at left guard since summertime. 
that he has been taking reps in, in the spring and throughout the season when he's been healthy in all three spots, left guard, center, and right guard. And so that's why Connor moved out there. Now, I think if it was more of a long-term deal, that would be a different discussion. But that's that's who was in that spot was uh, Connor at left tackle and then Cole Hudson at left guard. So I, I'm going to stay with you, Justin. I can read this real quick. Justin, can you speak briefly to the level of competition Arch faced at Newman? Mm-hmm. And if that speaks to why he was bu- QB3 behind Malik at this point. Um, that No, him being behind Malik has nothing to do with the competition he faced in high school. That being said, the competition he faced in high school was less than. Now, the, his senior year, they actually scheduled some, some tougher out-of-conference teams. They actually challenged some guys and, and beat some teams that hadn't been beaten in 10 or 15 years from, from, from Newman. Arch did, and, and those guys, Will Randall, did some good stuff their senior year. But overall, the, the – the district they were in, so to speak, was was just a small private school. It, there was not a lot of competition there, but it, that had nothing to do. Listen, Malik Murphy had seniority. Malik Murphy had been in the system a year longer, and and you know how important it is to know the system and understand and learn it. And I think Malik Murphy has earned the respect from Sark and the teammates to kind of get that spot, to get that opportunity whenever Quinn went down. I don't think Arch's competition had anything to do with it. Neither one of them played stiff competition. (laughs) To tell you the truth, Malik Murphy didn't either. And so I don't think you could hold that against either one of them. All right. I want to ask this one. Rod, you're next on this, okay? And it's a two-part question from two different people, but I think they impact one another, all right? Uh, First, go for broke. How can a D lineman counter holding by the offense disregarding officiating? That's number one. And then this one's for you also, Rod. Should we, and from Manuel Soto, uh, should we be concerned that Baron Sorrell hasn't really produced half of his sacks came against lesser opponents? He produced uh, on Saturday against. Yeah, yeah, he definitely did that. So he he, he played one of his better games as a Longhorn, in my opinion. But combine those two together because, look, Baron Sorrell is not a he, – he may be one of the better pass rushers for Texas, but he's not a super freak pass rusher, uh, a guy that can really bend the edge. He's more of a power defensive end, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that. As, talk about Baron Sorrell's strengths and weaknesses there, Rod, relatively, and then talk a little bit about that holding uh, issue that uh, Gopher Broke mentioned. Yeah, I was talking to uh, Alex Okafor actually about it because – and I was like, yeah, what do you do? Um, and one thing he brought up, he said, you know, we need more clean wins. Uh, and that's basically, he described it to me as on the line of scrimmage, you know, when you're obviously pass rushing against an offensive lineman, um, sometimes it can get a little murky, right? You got to you gotta get into the offensive lineman for certain moves, get close to him. All right, you want to create that contact. Uh, he said there are, there are other times when you want to have pass rushing moves where you where you basically have a clean win where you easily can stack the offensive linemen, get you know ahead of them or get uh, on top of them, and you almost force him to have to drag you down to the ground, or he just lets you go because you you beat him so badly. There's no need for him to grab you from behind. It would make the hold too obvious. I always say offensive linemen hold on every play. I think they do. Yes. I think the, the technique is basically to teach you how to hold. I keep it within your body so that the, the, the referees and officials don't call it. It's holding within a certain, uh, you know, rule of law, if you will, uh, within the, within football, which I think that's just part of the technique. And basically you want to expose that if you're a defensive lineman with a clean win, so they can, they have to hold uh, outside of their body, which makes it a little bit obvious to the officials. That's what he told me. But also, I was talking to someone else about a coach about it. He said, man, I like, I like twists and stunts because uh, similarly twists and stunts up front, uh, it forces offensive linemen to have to adjust on the fly. If they're trying to hold you, they're going to grab. They're going to reach out and grab, all right, especially if a guy is, is changing uh, gaps like that and you got a lot of twists and stunts and games up front. They're gonna, they're, those linemen who are out of position will reach out and grab. That's another way to expose them too. Um, so it, there, there are different ways, but honestly, if an offensive lineman is able to hold you without, you know, the officials calling blatant holding calls, yeah, that's a huge advantage. There's no way, there's, there's no doubt about it. And about a guy like Baron Sorrell, you know, I think he's just working on getting his pass rushing repertoire together right now. I think that's his next step, right? I think he's proven himself as a good run defender, a quality run defender. He's got the athletic traits and tools. There's no doubt about that. I mean, look at him. And he's transformed his body. 
which is what I love about him. He looks totally yeah. different on film. He was baby fat his freshman year. Oh, man. he You can go kind of watch him and watch his transformation. I like that about him. Um, shows he's putting in the work. I think the next step for him is pass rushing moves. You know, become a technician right, about your pass rushing moves. Uh, and I think he's got the skill set for that. Um, and we're, you're seeing it already. He's, I think he's already starting to ad- advance that part of his game. Um, now he's got to take it to a, a Sunday level. Right now, you need to be a guy that demands a double team, a guy that on passing downs is someone the offense has to account for. And I don't know if Texas has that just yet. Now, yesterday, I'm sorry, last game, that was the case. Both he and Ethan Burke had to be accounted for on passing downs. That needs to be the case every third and long that Texas faces. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Yeah, I, it, it just plays such a symbiotic role with tight coverage. That, that's what exactly. That's what uh, Steve Sarkeesian was talking about on Monday in the press conference. Those two things have to be ha- happening simultaneously or else both of them may break down, right? right. And that's, yeah. that's when you really leave your DBs out there and kind of hung out to dry as well as your entire defense. All right. Uh, this one's a, a good one from Justin Yarbrough, guys, hmm. that, that I think everybody here can kind of chime in on. Has Sark earned a contract extension? He'd be one of the mid to lower paid coaches in the SEC on his current contract. Um, Steve, I, Chris Del Conte, I've asked him about this uh, prior, uh, and he told me we do that at the end of the year, period. But he, he did that with Rodney Terry, he said. I do that with all coaches, end of the year unless we had something already on the table prior to going into the year. Um, And so that's what Sark's going to be waiting on. My question to you, Justin and Rod, start with you, Justin. Has he earned a contract extension? He's 14 and four his last 18 games. It's hard. It's hard to deny not just the 14 and four in the last 18, but also the top three and top five recruiting classes the last few years. I mean, you, you, when you're able to convince an Arch Manning to come to Texas, that actually holds a lot more than just a quarterback signing with a program. Like you, that, that I'm not saying they're a package deal, but I'm saying you, if you want one to operate at high level, you're probably going to have to have the other with him. Has he earned it? I, you, I do think they've got to get to the Big 12 championship before I put a stamp on that on the field. But off the field, with the evaluations, with the culture, with the roster building, with the way he's been able to cut the fat and really got a streamlined bunch that are winning in the fourth quarter of a team that hasn't really done that in the last five to 10 years. Um, he's close to an extension. He's close, but I still feel like he's got to make it to a big 12 championship. I think that's the bar. Yeah. Rod, what do you think? Justin just nailed it. I mean, he's, he's got to get to the, he's got to at least get to the big 12 title game. You know, I think this year, considering the state, the state of the big 12, he's got to win it. I think Lohan fans would be so dis- – think about it. The narrative would be you lose to the Big 12 title game to Mike Gundy and then CDC gives him a contract extension. Lohan fans would be pissed off. <laughs> so, you know, I think with the narrative, I think I think Justin's right. I think almost – he's checked almost every box, man. You know, I, I, I was once talking to uh, NFL exec about, you know, what do you do to build a, you know, a, a team, a program, right, an organization? How do you build it? Where do you start? He said, well, it's just four parts. You got to break it down. Talent, you got talent acquisition, you got talent development, you got uh, culture, and you got your scheme, whatever your schemes are that you're going to you know, bring in, right? Your offensive, defensive philosophy. And he told me, he said, I don't worry about culture because I just bring in good people and the culture takes care of itself. He said, I just vet every person to make sure I'm bringing in the right people. Then the culture, he said, it's, it's people talk about it too much, they'll take care of itself. Um, I don't know what Sark's like, emphasis is on culture for whatever it is it's working 
right? The, you can you can tell. I mean, the team plays with you know outstanding team grit. Like they have great football character. So look at the way they play. You can talk about the off the field stuff and you know how they you know uh, acquire guys and transfer portal and how you know guys leave and they go elsewhere and have success. All those things are true too. So I think that fits. So I'm with, I'm with Justin, man. Go win the Big Twelve title and man, pay that man. Pay that. <laughs> but the Texas, how many coaches have won conference titles here in Texas? It don't happen a lot in football. They extended Tom Herman. He never he never won a championship. Ding, ding, ding. They extended back Brown before he won one. Yep. Hey, uh, let's look at this too, guys. Ashton Holloman. Bobby B, how do you feel about 11 and 1? And how likely is it? Is it 50 50 to you guys? Is it 60 40 that it happens? Is it less than 50 50? Right now, I would probably say right at 50 50 to 60 40. I mean, you got to win three games. And unless I know Quinn Ewers is starting, if I knew Quinn Ewers was starting on Saturday, yeah. I'd go more than 50-50. Without Quinn Ewers starting, I can't say that. That's that's my my take on this. And it has to be Quinn Ewers at more than 50%, by the way, starting. <laughs> and we, can't, we can't have him out there with just not having a right shoulder, right? Uh, what do y'all think? How likely is it for y'all that Texas ends up 11-1? and one? We, we, We've watched too much college football. There's three games left, man. Like, <laughs> likely, eh, it's college football. TCU has athletes that you got to, you know, you got to be cognizant of. T- Texas Tech, this is going to be the biggest game of their life, probably. Just ask Joey McGuire. <laughs> and then going to Iowa State beforehand, obviously, in Ames, we've seen the the horror flicks that come out of that place. And if you're betting yep. the over-under, just, you know, lean, hedge the Iowa State way. But at the end of the day, it's 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 like it could be likely, but the quarterback position has that much, that much to do with it. What do you think, Rod? Uh, yeah, uh, that's a great point about the quarterbacks. I feel Bobby's uh, anxiety on that one. Uh, but like I said, man, I I don't know why. I I I kind of I, I trust this team a little bit. I'm starting to develop some trust in this team. I know it's dangerous. I'm sorry. I, I, I probably might have jinxed them on that too. But I. Like, you know, they they respond well to adversity. They respond well in the fourth quarter in the second half. They are not perfect. They are flawed. I got a checklist. I got notes galore about what they can improve on and what they need to do better to be a championship-level team because that's kind of how we dissect, right? We start, all right, this team, how do they win a championship? All right, they they look like this is championship caliber. This is, but they in this area, red zone, in this area, too many defense. They need to pick it up. They got to get better. Uh, If, you know, this team has – been uh, they basically underperformed in some key areas this year, and they've had some key injuries. Like like all football teams have had key injuries. I'm, I'm still not sure they played to their full potential. That's the crazy part. Like the Bama game, they were close, but man, they played their full potential and they're healthy. I don't know. I feel good about it, Ashton. I do. I feel. I don't know why I feel good about eleven to one. I probably shouldn't. I should have more PTSD than that. But I got about. I feel about 70 percent eleven and one right now. Even with the even with Malik in there, I'm feeling good about it, man. That, I feel I don't know why. Shouldn't feel that good. You just—I'll tell you why you feel good. The defense kept the Kansas State team out of the end zone three times in the last what ten minutes of that game. That was amazing. Yeah, that, I mean that's why you feel good because that that carries. We talked about it earlier. I mean, that, that matters. All right, uh, this one from Mark uh, Grenewald. Uh, if yours comes back next year, does Manning stay? Gut feeling. Uh, I feel he should stay with quarterback Whisper and Sark on his side. I don't think it, if you were no back, I don't think that affects Arch one iota about staying or going. Justin, I see you're shaking your head. You followed his recruitment as closely as anyone met with him uh, and talked with his coach there, Nelson Stewart at uh, Archbishop Newman High School. Uh, your your thoughts on that that question? Uh, yeah, Manning isn't wired that way. Your traditional five-star quarterbacks would probably look around portal-wise because if you look at the landscape of college football right now, I think over 50% of your – 40 or 50% of your starters at major P5s are all transfer, are basically transfers. And so naturally the five-star quarterback's going to look around thing. Minutia starts to get discussed. This isn't your normal. The recruitment wasn't normally – it didn't go that way, and I don't think his mindset and his family's mindset, there's too much invested in Austin with that group. They love Sark. They love Austin. 
Arch is a, a gigantic fan of being te- at Texas. He's been, come to find out it's one of the, the school he wanted to go to most of his life. Arch Manning's not going anywhere. If anything, Quinn Ewers will help prepare Arch more if he does come back, and Arch will push Quinn. Because if you see some clips of, of Arch in pregame, that ball is coming out strong. You're seeing the development already from what I saw in high school, the strength. He always had a good arm. It looks stronger now. The release looks tighter. Arch Manning is going to be just fine, and I just don't see him possibly looking around. The family just isn't built that way. I love uh, when quarterbacks do that. You see that real growth? Remember we saw that from Colt that year? Well, Colt God, it was like overnight. Yeah, it was like, what the hell? It was like from 07. It was like, Darts. Yeah, it was crazy, but you see that Jalen Hurst did it too, actually. Um, yes, he saw that, yes. like, I mean, so yeah, that's interesting that you brought that up because I've noticed that in some quarterbacks too. All right, I, uh, this one from Dartborg, and you couldn't really be asking a better person than than Rod here. What's with our secondary play, playing off the line of scrimmage scheme or players? Would PK have played Westbrook, Vasher, Babers, or Ross off the ball <laughs> on third and four? Rod, you you get your name was. Uh, uh, was uh, talked about there, so you hey. get to answer this one for us. Hey, I, pre- I appreciate that, Dark Borg. I appreciate that, man. We played a lot of bump and run coverage back in my day. I will say we didn't play as many spread offenses, right? We played held play teams that still ran twenty one personnel with fullbacks out there. Uh, Mike Leach brought that in uh, the air raid in ninety nine. So I faced it my last two years, so I see more and more teams do it. Um, but I think for Texas, I did see at times and go back and watch it, even in the K State game. Texas played bump and run on the field and the boundary side, which honestly, I know it's one of their goals is to play bump and run on the field and the boundary side and to play it more. Sark has been open about that. He's talked about it. Now, something, uh, lack of trust in technique or um, lack of trust in the defensive line's ability to, 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 to sack the quarterback or get home, whatever it may be, something's kept Texas from <clears> – <throat> making that connection they're playing more man coverage which they want to do but they're not playing as much bump and run i think with the young bucks as he's bringing in you just talked about guys like kobe black and i think that's the goal bringing in guys like that um i'm starting to see it more the boundary side that is not an issue ryan watch plays a lot of press he 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 likes to play press even when he's not actually playing man coverage sometimes he just likes to get up there hmm. what you guys are talking about is the field side and i think you go you, I'm, I'm starting to see it a little bit more and Sark has already been on the record. The coverage dictates the technique. We know that. He was asked about that. And he said, well, it's the coverage dictates things. So if, they, if they're in a certain coverage, that dictates whether they're going to be off or whether they're going to play up and whether they're going to play press. So that is really about the guys aren't given, from what I understand, not given freedom to determine what their technique is going to be within the coverage. There were times where we we were given that freedom, but we were a veteran, veteran secondary with, you know, a lot of guys who would play on Sundays, and we played a lot of man, too. So, Coach Akina, he always said, I'm not going to put – I'm not going to be so rigid as to tell you how to play DB because I'm not out there. What I have to do is give you the tools, and you have to decide, like Batman, when to dive into your utility belt and what tool to use at that time. And I'm just going to break you down and turn you guys into mini-me's, and you'll see the field like I see the field – and that way, you'll we'll always be looking at the same thing, and you'll be thinking through the game like I think through it. And that's basically I, I'm a mini Aquino. I look at the game that way. And I, for the guys playing okay. now, I don't know if they're, I don't know if the coach trusts them in that regard just yet. Just yet, though. Just yet. Yeah, good stuff, Rod. Really good stuff. All right, uh, this one from Biggins uh, in Minnesota. It looks like uh, from uh, him. Outside of a few false starts, Cam Cam Williams played really well. Great to see. Also, I'm pretty sure he could give Bevo a run for his money, size wise. <laughs> Hadn't heard that comparison, but you're not wrong. Uh, look, I talked to, uh, uh, I, and I, Justin, I know you've got the pro football focus numbers. Uh, if you don't mind pulling those up and, and telling folks about that. Uh, but Cam Williams, uh, I, I talked to uh, Brian Irwin, and other than the false starts, uh, former coach that we have on lunch with the coach every Monday. He loves Cam Williams. He thinks he uproots people and actually moves them. Mm. Like he was collapsing the entire side of the K-State defense at time. Justin, what does what a pro f- football focus say on Cam Williams? <laughs> you, you didn't let me prep. You did not I know. I just had to ask up. you. You did not tell me to have these up. I've got to go pick <laughs> it into them. <laughs> I know that he's – I mean, all it's going to tell you is he took – 
every snap outside of, I mean, he took all the snaps outside of, um, I want to say the last two last drives. Maybe he even took those. Um, I'd have to look it up now because now I'm curious. But, um, I mean, Cam Williams, he played well. Yeah, he had a few false starts, but you didn't – he had mauled a few people, especially in the run game. I thought he was, was actually – and I know that Jake Majors talked about it in his press conference on Monday about how, you know, Cam was a guy that you got to help out. But, you know, that's, that's one of his guys. It's just part of it. And so Cam was, was absolutely uh, – he's not the same size as Bevo, but Bevo can't dunk either. So, Ooh, you know, Bebo can't dunk. He can dunk. But, but wow. let me try to find what you're looking for and maybe give me a heads up. Because uh, you look, like, you look for Sundays. it. Hey, you look for it while I ask Rod and I. Oh, it's going to give you a snap count. Uh, really? They don't give you grades? I thought they would give you grades. Yeah, they give you a grade. Uh, yeah. well, I should look up the grades. The grade story that we wrote at Inside Texas. That's what I was trying to say to you, Justin. Ooh. All right. Hey, um, this is from uh, Cake Shaba24. Who are y'all ready to see take that extra step next year? Oh, anybody that's in particular? Jelani McDonald. Cook? What's that? Jelani McDonald or Jelani McDonald or Jonte Cook? Fair enough. Um, Warren Roberson, maybe. I can I go Derek Williams? I guess I'm a DB, so I'm a little biased. But man, I like what I'm seeing from that young buck. I seen him run the alley in that K State game. Remember that play that he and uh, Jalen Ford teamed up on? And almost, uh, it basically uh, almost uprooted uh, that K State ball carrier. I just like what I'm seeing. I like how aggressive he's, and he's he's small. I mean, he ain't even got his. You can see he's not even been in the weight room yet. They'll put some weight on him, and you'll start to see him have more of his grown man body. I think Derek Williams is gonna be something special. I'm starting to agree with my man. Uh, I think it was uh, Mike uh, Mike Griffin that said that he's that guy's gonna be one of the greats at DBU. Uh, he, he's definitely got the raw materials for it. I'll say that. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Hey, here's here's one from Justin Rosenthal. In two of the last three games, we have allowed Will Howard and um, uh, goodness, I can't even remember. Oh, Donovan Smith. <laughs> oh. Is it Donovan? Yes, Donovan Smith at UMH yeah. to throw for career highs. What is yeah. the issue in the secondary oh. outside of injuries? Is it a poor secondary? Is it the defense the the defensive line not getting home? Is it that fact that look, I mean. Texas Tech used to throw for a ton of yards too, but didn't always win because you can you get more yards when you throw yep. theoretically. Both those two teams abandon the run. I know that's so what, that's what Rod's saying eyes. about. Yeah, that's what Rod's saying. I think about you know when teams go five wide, hurry up, no huddle against Texas or four wides. Even there, yeah. there are some issues out there. Yeah, and it's it's and you know it's and Justin's right. I mean, you when when you're only one dimensional. Uh, you know, in that extreme, Texas has already they they have already done most of their job and accomplished most of their game plan, which is let's take away the run. Texas wants to do that against everybody, but now teams are deciding. Remember, Dana Hobson said it: we ain't running against Texas. Like it wasn't even worth it to them. So I think teams, some teams may decide it's not even worth it, and maybe TCU will be that team. But I'll say this: I think communication is still the biggest issue, even on the. The 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 uh, the, the post route touchdown. I believe Brooks was on the coverage there, and uh, and it was the one that could have been a go ahead touchdown for them, but it ended up they missed they missed the extra point because I think they botched the snap or something like that. Ended up being a, a tie there uh, off of that touchdown. That was just another miscommunication where they were playing match coverage, and we come on here and talk with us all the time. They were playing pattern match coverage, uh, match four it looked like, and the safety and the corner were not on the same page, not reading the same thing, and match coverage at one point in that match zone coverage, it, it, it decomposes into a man coverage. It turns into a man coverage, and you match the receivers depending on when the routes declare themselves, and you had a seam route, by the number two receiver there and then you had a post route and just just a miscommunication i guess the it, it looks like terrence brooks thought that he was going to get post help and that he would pass off their receiver to the post and i believe it's Derek williams in the post Derek williams decided to take the number two and miscommunication easy touchdown and those are not complicated pattern match beaters guys these are that, that's just a simple post scene combination i mean it wasn't anything that complicated uh, and I think even think about the Oklahoma uh, touchdown, right? That they the, the game winning touchdown for them. It wasn't a complicated switch route. It was just no. a simple 
switch route. And even Sark says that guys are still be working on that we've mastered the last two years, and the guys are just busting it for some reason. Um, yeah, so that's the, I think that's the frustrating point. Now we're being nitpicky because this is a team that's winning games and the defense is really good, but it's something that could you know make these games a little too close to comfort. And let's be honest, that's been a weakness all season long. The team has been exposed in their pass defense. And I think if the pass rush could get home, that would help the pass defense a whole lot. Um, and I think that's something that's improving. So let's see if going against a pass first team this weekend, if that uh, makes a big difference. All right. Uh, this is the Tuesday night Longhorn live stream brought to you by the folks at Energy Texas. Energy Texas is uh, energy for Texans by Texans. Right now they have a special flex plan that allows you to change your plan each and every month at no additional cost. Uh, reach out to them at 855-461-1129 or visit them at energytexas.com. Energy Texas, Texas electricity done right. Uh, guys, uh, Justin Wells and Rob Davis here with I've, me. I've got a Cam Go ahead, Williams Jim. update. I got a Cam Williams grade update. Okay, great. Nice. Okay. <laughs> so he took 76 snaps. That was so all, every snap. that was the, that was the total snaps. He played every single snap, which is which is very impressive. Wow. But he did have a, a pretty low grade. It happened to be the third lowest in an entire offense. He had a 47.0. And oh, so wow. sometimes those don't always accurately give you an idea, you know, what they've done, you know, if you've given up sacks, things of that sort. He didn't give up anything like that. I think he gave up two quarterback pressures total, but uh, he, he, he graded low. The only person that graded lower was Malik Murphy. And so, um, got it. but O-line, it's, it's subjective with PFF. So don't, don't always, you got to take it with a grain of salt. That is I want to add these next three questions, guys, all together, uh, because they, they're, they're somewhat related in my opinion. Uh, David Ledbetter asks, um, first time to comment, but long time listener, as are my two sons. Don't you agree that we need to blow out our final point, opponents? Style points and being hot this time of year seem to be a big criteria to yeah. the college football playoff group. Also, just and this from Tom G. Just saw a college football playoff rankings. Not sure to how Texas has legitimate multiple top 25 wins, yet sits in sixth behind Oregon, who has just one win against a team with a winning record. Does re resume matter or not? And then last night, <laughs> Last Mark Grenewalt uh, saying, how wild would it be if Alabama and Texas made the playoff? That and What if they mm -hmm. played in the semifinal? Okay. How about that? Because you know you know, yeah. the Big Ten team is likely going to be the one seed if Georgia gets knocked out. Yep. Yeah. So could be a two and a Play three. Play with fire, guys. You don't want Bama again, man. <laughs> this will be I don't know. If it be during the college again. football playoff, I don't think you get to – I don't think you get to choose who you want. Yeah. You got to go beat them all. Yeah, you damn right. right. I, I don't, what? What? But seriously, um, style points—they yes matter no. these days. It's the BCS all over again. Style points do matter because humans are making these judgments, and as long as exactly. humans are involved, style matters. Yeah. Sometimes they don't always have the great fashion sense, but style always matters. Mm -hmm. And in this case, I think the win over. Alabama still merits, you know, what they've done. But the Oregon thing, I, I can go back and forth. Uh, you know, Oregon, obviously, they, they've played they played really good football. I, I, if you look at style points there, yeah, maybe some of that's not as, as impressive as it was earlier in the year, the big win over Colorado and things like that. But just give – let Oregon play out. They may have an L still on that schedule. Uh, and then Oregon State's playing incredibly well. There's a lot of things that can happen there. So I think Texas will be just fine in their situation. I really do think another three weeks will clear out a lot of that. I would like some style points, but yeah, when you got a backup quarterback in there, survive in advance, right? You just trying that to make sure yes. <laughs> you just win the game. But when Quinn comes back and Quinn, when he's you know hundred close to hundred percent or as close as he can get to that, I I, I I'm kind of with the with the person in the chat. I I would like some style points just so when the case is being made for Texas to make the college football playoff, that's another data point that they have to consider. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's something that would help if Texas could do it. Um, I don't know. And listen, with the red zone offense being what it is, hell, man, Texas probably all winning would have a ton of style points this year 
if they would just been average in the red zone. <laughs> Good Lord. And have all the style points they needed, gentlemen. That's the truth. Matthew, we need a congregation playing orchestra music in the background and in a, in a, in a big-time accordion because that was preaching at its best, and you need to repent. <laughs> an accordion or an organ? Let, I said accord, or, I said I mean, classical. The accordion and an, is the one that has the piano. I said accordion. Yeah, no, the organ. You're right. You're organ, right. Yeah. Bobby, right. uh, <laughs> I've done three of these things, man. I, <laughs> it's a long day. Just making sure we're on the same page, my man. All right, here's one from Damon Chandler. Uh, is famous Jameis Winston, uh, the crab leg thief, a good comp for Malik Murphy? No. Jameis has never been the most mobile guy. Jameis is still fairly mobile. He's just He's fairly mobile and much, much more of a polished passer. Jameis Winston was a legit five-star with legit athletic tools but could throw a football with touch. Hmm. He was clutch. He was he would the he player led like this was a guy that rallied guys and nothing against Malik there but no Jameis Winston was another level that guy was a big time recruit and actually a right fielder for Alabama with a can with the same type of arm except man Jameis had some touch on his passes. Got it. I, I He's so like- good. Jimbo couldn't screw it up. Amen to that. Amen to that. Amen to that. Hey, hey, what do you think they're thinking right now in College Station if Max Johnson can't go against Mississippi State? I hope Connor and they're down to that eligibility. What what are they thinking if 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 literally if they are a five and five team at the end of this week? Uh, I mean, Tom people know what to say. They're, they're probably trying to arrange Jimbo's buyout. I know people think it's ridiculous, but they got money down there in Aggieland, man. They're not going to stand for that program being mediocre when Texas is about to come into the SEC, potentially make, a college, right? potentially make a college football playoff. Texas comes in on a high, and then A&M is at one of their lowest points. In the modern era, oh hell no! Nah. They will. I, I know. I know Aggies. They got way too much pride, way too much bread for that. They will send Jimbo packing, and they will bring in another. It may be a swing and a miss, but they're gonna swing for the fences, I guess. Especially with Te- Texas, the guy. You notice, Justin? This could be a if if A doesn't handle this correctly, this could be a major major shift. All right, in the you know the the Texas Cold War that has been going on between Texas and Texas and them, which is about to you know get lit once again. Oh man, they they can't go into that rivalry rekindled, being at a low point like that. Nah, they they'll make they'll make some moves. They can't go. They can't get Dennis Francione. That if that happens, that's where Texas just takes keeps going. <laughs> but here they're gonna swing for Kalen DeBoer at some point. They're gonna tr- maybe even swing for Dan Lanning or Jeff Trailer. They're gonna swing for somebody. But you, Bobby, you saw the story come out from Brent Zimmerman today about how there was kind of justifying how that he's heard sources. You know how that kind of thing. I, Jimbo, I think, is coming back. I really believe Jimbo's coming back. I mean, that buyout is still ridiculous. It is. And, and the truth is, I, I think if you're a Texas fan, that's the best news you've read today. <laughs> Outside of what you've read at InsideTexas.com, come hang yeah. out with us. Let us earn your business. It's a great community. <laughs> I agree. Justin. Justin good news. He's right. He's right. Hey, uh, Quarryman69, uh, speaking of Tom Herman, we were talking about him earlier. Ever wonder what Sam Ellinger could have done with Sark at the helm and the current team? Good arm, can run and hit, huge heart. What I, I've got to be honest, does he even recruit Sam Ellinger? No. Yeah, it's not his type of guy, even though Sam right. was going to be a long-horn no. quarterback. Yeah, he doesn't I, recruit Sam. When, no. Sam. when Sark got the job, he actually – one of his first things he did was call Sam. And he mm-hmm. said, hey, come back for one more year. You've got your COVID year. Let me be – you could be my Jake Locker. Sark oh. turned Jake Locker into a top 11 NFL draft pick. I don't – Bobby's right. I don't think – I guarantee you, Sam Ellinger is not the quarterback Steve Sarkeesian recruits. But you give him a year, could you imagine if he had come back for that year? There was no way in hell he was doing that. But if you could have imagined it, it, it would have been nice. But I'm with Bobby. Sark, that's not Sark's type. Sark loves the beauty, the Bill Walsh timing beauty, beauty passer. Sam is your gung-ho Rambo warrior that will run through a wall. Sark wants your more polished passer. Yeah, I always thought Sam – was a, was a great football player 
that we were all molding, that they were molding into being a, a, a good quarterback, right? And I think he steals some of that. I still think Sam's just a football player out there, and he's such a great athlete that, you know what, I can play quarterback. But he, when you see him actually play the game, you see the football player come out in the Bam Bam Sam. And Justin's right. Sark, he even, Sark kind of mocks running quarterbacks at times too. Like that's not what we major in. We don't, we don't major in quarterback run game. So I don't think he'd have been, I think he'd have, he'd have molded the offense around Sam, but I don't think I'm with Justin. I don't think that's the ideal quarterback that Sark likes. Got it. All right. Uh, this one from David Pruitt. Let me try this again, Bobby. I know you're concerned at left guard. Can we put Cam at that spot for the rest of the season? Yeah, you can, but you're not going to. Justin's shaking his head because it's the same as me. If they make a move there, it sounds like it would might be Cole Hudson uh, taking over for for uh, uh, Hayden Connor as opposed to uh, Neto Omiozulu. The, the big the- thing is is right guard, right tackle, DJ and Cam, knowing the signals, knowing the protections, knowing the keys and all that kind of stuff. The, the quicker they get that down, the quicker we're going to see those two for the next two years. All right. Hey, Rod, I want to I want to close with this one. Uh, and, and you guys have been great tonight with all these questions. Really, we really uh, have. It's, been, it's been easy. The, the hour has really flown by, Rod especially that yeah. uh, Rick. I, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about the people in the chat. <laughs> you two have just been average. Come on. Rick Ambergay. <laughs> hey, did we did we underestimate the loss of Ryan Watts during his injury? His communication on the last play against KSU save the season his communication or or head nod whatever you want to call it yeah what do you think there rod i mean do we underestimate the loss of him for the tackle standpoint you did yeah yeah he is he is a uh force uh run defender for you he actually takes pride in being a run defender uh but yeah i mean it's pretty obvious that he's a veteran out there and the communication is a little better and he's got you know he's he's got weaknesses as a player too at the line of scrimmage he's superb uh, once you get past on the scrimmage with him, that's when you, you can see his hips are a little bit stiff, get in and out of the break sometimes. Uh, he doesn't have great makeup speed, so you can get behind him. But at the line of scrimmage, which is basically what he was in that that game-winning kind of goal line stand play, he was it was great disguise by him. Sark said he was given all the indicators that he was in man coverage. Will Howard saw man, thought he was man, and was ready to – make that predetermined throw based on the pre-snap read. Turns out it wasn't man. They were tangoing it, which means one defender takes the outside cut, other defender takes the inside cut. They tangoed it with Jaron Thompson, I believe, ended up being a great call. That's actually a very similar play they screwed up. in With David Bender. With David Bender and Jaron Thompson. It was the exact same. Exactly. It's very, very similar. So at least it shows you the growth, and that's the point that Rick's making there. You know, you got Ryan Watts back. Boom, you know, that play, it's seamless now. Obviously, different characters involved, but you don't have a buster. That's a very simple exchange, very simple concept to execute, and they did it. So I like Ryan Watson there. I know, you know, they're, I think you can probably try to test him deep at times, and teams will, um, but I, I think he's pretty steady in there. And if he's just a little bit better with his leverage, I think he, he'd be better defending some of those deep balls too. Interesting. All right, yeah. uh, this has uh, been uh, this week's Longhorn live stream on Tuesday night. Uh, sponsored by the folks at Energy Texas, uh, Rod Babers, Justin Wells. I'm Bobby Burton. Also, thank you to our producer, Matthew Hutchison. He's been tremendous. The uh, real winner. Uh, He's the real hey, champion of all right. of this. Uh, I would say he is, He unlike you two, he has been above average. Amen tonight. to that. Uh, <laughs> he doesn't know anything. The fans, are the, real, the fans are the real guys, though. All right. Hey, we're just kidding around here. Thank you all to everybody. Rod, Justin, you've been terrific. Uh, Matt, thank you as well. And to all the Super Chats and folks asking questions, thank you as well. We'll be back again tomorrow morning with coffee and football for those that like to wake up and talk Longhorn football. Uh, And then tomorrow night, tomorrow night, Jerry and Rod will be back along with Ray Peters uh, tomorrow evening. I'm going to miss you tomorrow night, Rod. I'm going to miss you. We had our routine. We We did. Rod and I had the symbiotic thing, man. I'm going to miss you. Just know that. We'll always have Ali Catalan, though. Always, always Alley Catalan. Alley Catalan. All right. Thanks, guys. Uh, Everybody have a good night and hook them. Hook them.